Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to Witness Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak. We have Eric Hovind, founder of Creation Today and the executive producer of Genesis 3D. Eric, thank you for coming on and talking to us today. Well, my pleasure, Ryan. Thanks so much for what you do to encourage people to spread the truth of the gospel uh, by means of evangelism. I love it. So, what's going on with Genesis 3D? Well, wow. let me ask this. What is Genesis 3D, and <laughs> why should anyone watch it? It is an amazing production that is taking place right now. We've been in, uh, producing for two and a half years, uh, and we got about another uh, about another year, a little less than a year to go. It's a 3D animated version of the creation of the world. So... Think Avatar, and then think, okay, presenting the gospel and presenting the creation of the world, and there you've got creation, or Genesis in 3D. So it's a project that we started uh, really based on uh, some feedback we got from the creation minutes that we had done, and those are high-powered, uh, lots of visual aids, little segments that were done to teach one uh, one topic about creation at a time. We got a lot of great feedback from those. Even the atheists said, we're worried people are going to believe what he's saying because everything looks so good. And we went, hey, well, what we're saying is true. So not only does it look good, it's also true. And it was a couple years ago that uh, the producer of those said, hey, technology is now at a level where we could actually create the beginning of the world. You could create God making the earth in a computer, simulate it, do it in 3D, and actually let people, instead of just hear, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, they could watch in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So it was really an idea that's uh, birthed in uh, the director and producer Ralph Streen's uh, mind, and it's going to be phenomenal. Some of the things we've already got are just absolutely breathtaking when you're watching creation take place. Yeah, I've seen the uh, creation minutes, and those are phenomenal. You can get those on your YouTube page still, right? Those are available in a lot of different languages as well. But yes, on our YouTube, youtube.com slash creationtoday, and of course on our website, creationtoday.org. Back to Genesis 3D, is it going to be primarily an entertainment film, or is it going to be more like an informational documentary? Yeah, it really is going to be a combination of several different things. I don't know of anybody that's tried to attempt this before. It's going to be a combination of a 3D animated sequence of God, of Genesis chapter 1 where God makes the earth and the six different days of creation. And then it's going to go even farther because it's got experts that are being interviewed on the subject of creation versus evolution. What do the doctorates say out there that are, that are young earth creation scientists? What are they saying? And we were recently up uh, with you at the Answers in Genesis Museum doing all the filming for that, and that was quite an ordeal. Uh, but, man, God let us get just some pure gold uh, from from these interviews that I am just so excited about putting into this this package, putting into uh, the, the whole project and, and seeing kind of how this plays out as we go throughout this storyline. It's going to be very, very exciting. I saw when you were filming at the museum, it looked like Ray Comfort was really there right on the set. The 3D that you guys use to make Ray Comfort appear in the museum was amazing. <laughs> that was really good, wasn't it? Oh, wait, he really was there. That's right, yeah. <laughs> he, he was, yeah. Him and Easy. I really hope you guys use the stuff that Easy did, because that was phenomenal. Oh, man, I, he's I incredible. Was. He's incredible. He really is, yeah. Uh, Ray and Easy came out from California, uh, and they're just, I mean, what an amazing ministry. What some amazing people that 
love the Lord and just want to share the gospel with others. So I, I, I can't say enough about that. That's very, very exciting. And then, of course, uh, we had Dr. Charles Jackson uh, from Creation Truth Foundation. We had uh, Dr. Andrew Fabich from Liberty University. Uh, we had Dr. John Baumgardner uh, and Dr. Jeremy Lyon, both out of Southern California Seminary in, California, in, uh, in San Diego. Uh, then, of course, we had Dr. Um, Let's see here, Terry Mortensen, um, Dr. Georgia Purdom, uh, Ken Bodie Hodge, uh, Ken Ham, that is. So, yeah, it was just, man, just dynamic speaker after dynamic speaker after dynamic speaker. It was really incredible. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that he has allowed such great people to come on board and support this project. Why is it so important? What do you hope that people will take away from watching Genesis 3D? Well, at the end of the day, the goal is for people to go, wow, God made the world. I mean, it's amazing that we even have to let people know that and discuss that these days, but that's something that, believe it or not, we've got to conquer in people's minds. Yes, God did make the world, and that has some serious, serious implications to it. Now, we know the Bible says people are going to walk after their own lust, um, and they're going to scoff. They're going to walk after their own sinful desires and scoff at the Bible, and our job in that is to really close their arguments and really, the Bible says, you know, uh, tearing down, casting down anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And so we're literally going and, and tearing down the arguments of the scoffers and showing God's word is the only foundation available. So the goal would be to get people to see what happened at Genesis, see the science, see the, the, the philosophy behind it, and, and know there's no other choice. God made the world. Now, We've got to understand that we're going to be accountable to him one day, and that's where the whole gospel message comes in. So uh, it's 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 really going to leave people seeing what happened. Here's kind of what happened. We, we took what Discovery Channel did and Nova and PBS. They get their evolutionary scientists out there, and they talk about how this dinosaur evolved or what happened in this era of time, you know, and it's all made-up stuff. But they have some cheap CGI animation to go with it, and everybody believes it. We thought, let's instead do the same thing, only let's present the truth. Let's get the, the creation of the world where you're watching it take place so that kids watch it, they hear the scriptures, and they say, wow, it's so true. That really did happen. Would you say that this film is going to be evangelistic? I mean, I know the gospel is in there. Absolutely. This is going to be, I believe, a huge evangelical tool where people can... They're, they're going to get it from all sides. They're going to get the visual aspect. They're going to get the experiential aspect. They're going to get the scientific facts. They're going to get the biblical facts. And they're going to get the gospel message. And I just go, wow, what a layout of information for people in film. Why is having a correct understanding of Genesis important? Well, it really comes down to what's called doctrine. Doctrine is basically truth. That's what doctrine really means is truth. So it comes down to our doctrine, our truth about the Bible and about God and about Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in, in Matthew 19.4 and in Mark 10.6 that he made Adam and Eve at the beginning. Well, was that the beginning or not? Did Jesus understand what he was saying at that point? And if you study the life of Jesus and you study his sayings, you'll find out, boy, he knew everything there was to know about every situation. And he spoke incredibly wisely every single time he opened his mouth. And so I look at that and I go, well, no, Jesus was right. Adam was made at the beginning. 
the real theological or doctrinal problem that you have if you don't accept Genesis as true is this, you put death before man's sin. That's the big doctrinal problem. If you have death before man sinned, that's an issue theologically. Because the New Testament in Romans, it says, death came by one man. By man came death. In Adam all die. So to say that death had been around for millions of years before Adam, that becomes a theological, a, a doctrinal, a truth problem uh, for, for us if we're going to hold to the scriptures as our ultimate authority. And so I just challenge people, what is our ultimate authority? Who's going to be the because I said so, like I am with my son? I'm my son's ultimate authority right now. If I tell him to do something and he says why, I can tell him my reasoning. But if he keeps asking why, eventually he's going to get to the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority is because daddy said so. And at the same time, those that are, those that, uh, question Okay, how God did something or why God, at the end of the day, this is what God said. It's biblical authority because the Bible says so. We saw that recently. It played out with the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate. It came down to an issue of ultimate authority, and Ken was not leaving his ultimate authority, the Word of God. He wasn't using, he didn't go and start using science to, conf, uh, to, um, prove what the Bible said. Instead, he went to science and said, see, it confirms what the Bible says. And there's a big difference there. One leaves the Bible as the ultimate authority. The other does not. You brought up the Ken Ham, Bill Nye debate. Everyone said it was tremendously well done and everything. But what is your take on evidential apologetics versus presuppositional apologetics or something in between? Well, when you use the term apologetics, that literally means a defense of the faith. So to give an answer, to give a defense for what we believe in. So when you use the term evidential apologetics together, I think it means something that a lot of people don't think of when they put those two terms together because we hear it all the time. Evidential apologetics, defense of the faith, um, the, here's what I say I have to be careful of, because I use both. I use evidence, and I use what you def, you refer to as the presuppositional approach, and that's getting down to the foundation of how do we know anything. And I show, without God, we can't have knowledge. So here, here's where I'm careful, and I, and I try to combine the two together, even though I'm not going to use the terminology correctly in order to combine the two together. I say, just don't ever use evidence to put God on trial. And that's the phrase I use to make sure we're not stepping where we shouldn't step. Because at the end of the day, God is not the one on trial. You know, and so many times in the unbeliever's mind, they come, they come at us and say things like, Oh yeah? Well, prove that God exists. Oh yeah? Well, prove that God's word is true. And while there's lots and lots of information, lots and lots of evidence that confirms, well, God is real. God it does exist. He did make the world. God's word is true. I have to be careful that I'm not letting the unbeliever become the judge over God. Now, I can challenge him, and I can give him good answers. And those that are really seeking good answers, I give them good answers. Hey, how do we know the Bible's true? There's lots of great answers for that. How do we know that God exists? There's lots of great answers for that. But if somebody's trying to put themselves as the judge over God, I say, hold it, hold it, hold it. You don't deserve the answers. Instead, I've got to pull the pride out of you 
by pulling your worldview out from underneath you and watching your worldview crumble. So that's what I end up doing is I end up pulling the worldview out from under the unbeliever and showing his worldview to be a, a, a you know a disaster. Once I've shown his worldview to be a disaster, that should leave him hungry for a worldview that does make sense. Now the only reason it wouldn't is if he's following after the lusts of the flesh, which is what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 3. They are going to follow after sinful desires. So the only reason they wouldn't uh, accept what is uh, what is presented when their worldview is demolished is if they just love their sin or love their, their pride and their intellect and their own reasoning above that of God's. And that becomes the ultimate problem. So when it comes to evidential versus presuppositional apologetics, even though I'm using, them in, using the term uh, evidential apologetics incorrectly to say this, I kind of combine the two together. And I love evidence, and I love the presup, and so I use kind of a try to do a one-two punch with it. But I try never to put use the evidence to put God on trial. I hope that makes sense. It does to me, and I hope it'll make sense to my listeners as well. You know, all two of them. <laughs> hey, I'll listen. That'll be three. <laughs> <laughs> so, when is Genesis 3D going to come out, and how are we going to be able to see it? We are being really, really careful uh, not to put, set a date yet because there is so much that has to be done. I mean, wow. Uh, producing a movie that can go into theaters, especially one like this with so much CG. Um, I mean, every time we have a computer break down, there goes two days of work, you know. So uh, we're being careful not to set a date yet. Our goal... Our goal would be to have it done this year. Now, I hope we reach that goal, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But our goal would be to have that done this year. It is a long, tedious, very time-consuming process to actually create. Uh, you got to imagine, I mean, if you want to have a tree, you've got to build the tree. You've got to put skin on the tree. This is all done in a computer. You know, put the texture, put the colors. Then you've got to animate it. Okay, how do you want it to interact with the environment? How do you want it to move? I mean, there's... You gotta. There is tons and tons of work that has to be done in order to 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 pull off a full Garden of Eden being created, man coming out of the dust of the ground. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, uh, but it looks incredible. Um, so I can't put a time on it yet. What type of release options are you going to offer? Well, what we did for our Indiegogo campaign to raise some of the funding necessary to complete the film is we went ahead and let people pre-buy the DVDs and the Blu-rays of the finished product. Now our goal would be before it comes out on Blu-ray or DVD to go ahead and get it into theaters. So we should know within the next six to eight months uh, if that's going to be an option. If, if going to theaters is going to be a real viable option, we hope that it is. Even if it has to start out in a low number of theaters, we think that having Genesis there at the theaters will greatly increase its effectiveness and its potential reach out into the community, which is the ultimate goal. How far would you say you are in the project right now? Would you say you're still in production phase, post-production? Um, I'd say we are. There, there are portions that are still in production phase because this, the CG animation of this project is just so extensive. You're in the production of that. It's almost post. It's almost production and post-production all at the same time in that going on. In the filming process for these interviews, uh, man, we did a ten days. Uh, of knock it out so it was a great shoot that we did and now it's a matter of going through and editing all that together so in that aspect we're in post-production so there's areas of the film that are in post-production areas that are still in pre-production and areas that are in production so all of the above right now
How can people help the film? Where can they go for more information about it, and what can they do to help? Sure. You're, obviously, this is a very intriguing project, so if you want to check out more about it, we've got a whole page available at genesismovie.com. That's genesismovie.com, and there you, we have a preview of it. You can check out what we're doing, watch a behind-the-scenes video, kind of see what's happening in the production of it, uh, and if you want to be a part of it, if you want to get involved and help us accomplish this, there's lots of room for involvement, so please jump in there uh, by hitting the donate button and being a part of the project or hitting the share button and sharing this project with your friends on your on your Facebook wall, things like that. So, yeah, just jump in any way you want to get involved in this project, any way God has you, has you do that. So genesismovie.com, and anything God encourages you to do, I encourage you to get involved and do it. Well, now we're going to switch gears and talk about evangelism because that's kind of what my show is about. Eric, I know you're a big fan of Ray Comfort, but you may have a somewhat different approach. How would you say people should evangelize? Well, I am a huge fan of Ray. I got saved through his DVD, Hell's Best Kept Secret, at 21 years old, and uh, just life-changing for me. Here I'd grown up in a Christian home, and you know, I, I knew all about a great Christian home, knew all about God, knew all about the truth, but just the Holy Spirit had never you know, done that to my heart, made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, I would encourage you to, well, they, they get, they provide a great model. I mean, and, and you know this, they, okay, tracks. Do you have something to pass out? A man's gift maketh room for himself. So what do you have that you can give to somebody to start a conversation? Uh, I love the example of how do we swing from the natural over to the spiritual? How do we learn to take conversations from the, the here and now from a football game and swing them over to, the ultimate game of life and who's going to win in the end, you know, of, of you know, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Um, I think um, a big thing is apologetics. You can use apologetics as a great piece of bait to get somebody interested. A lot of people are interested in apologetical information or arguments, and you can actually use that. Now, I agree with what, for example, I think I heard Ray Comfort say this, apologetics is the bait and the gospel's the hook. You don't just throw out a whole bunch of apologetics. If you you got to have apologetics wrapped around the hook of the gospel so that you can reel people in and, and let them understand the truth. So, uh, you know, whatever it takes to bait that hook, you find the common ground with you, with you and another individual. Bait the hook and sink the gospel in deep and allow them to know the truth. And make sure you're doing that with gentleness and with respect and with fear uh, towards other people. That's what God commands us to do. Amen. So do you have a preferred style of evangelism, like open-air preaching, handing out tracts, one-to-ones? What's your preferred style? My preferred style of evangelism is to get up on top of atheist monuments and talk to atheists. Uh, <laughs> now, there's only one of those in the country, so I've only had the opportunity to do that once so far. But uh, I got to be at the dedication of the Atheist Monument, the first one in America over in Stark, Florida. And uh, at the end, after they were done with their ceremony, I got to get up and just talk about, talk to the atheist and present the gospel to them. The very first thing I do when I talk to an atheist is I thank them for their tolerance. You know, and then they can't say anything bad about me after that because I've told them, thank you for being tolerant. Uh, they, they still do, though, unfortunately. Um, you know, I'm not, I haven't done a lot. I've only done a few times open air preaching. Uh, you can see one of mine at the, uh, we're doing a trip to the Grand Canyon this year, uh, with Mark Spence from Living Waters. Uh, and so we're doing an, an evangelical, an evangelical slash 
educational trip to the Grand Canyon. And when I was there this past year, we're there at the main place where over 2 million people come a year. And there's lots and lots of people looking over the Grand Canyon. And so my daughter, I did, my daughter happened to videotape me. She's standing there with the camera, put it on me while I was just talking to the audience and saying, talking to the people there and, Hey, look guys, this Grand Canyon is a result of the flood. So if you want to check that out, you can, uh, go to creationtoday.org forward slash Grand Canyon 2014. But it's just, I, I'm just a simple, hey, I want to I want to love other people. Uh, I love them enough to get myself uncomfortable and get out of my comfort zone in order to go share the gospel with them. And so whatever that takes, I prefer, I prefer the one-on-one handing out tracts and having good conversations. And see, you know, I can do open airs, no problem, but it's the, the personal one-to-ones that I have trouble with. That's actually why I created the radio show, because <laughs> it gave me an avenue to be able to get personal with people, one-to-one with them, and not be scared out of my mind, you know, because <laughs> I'm doing a radio show, so I've got to do it. Yeah. So praise the Lord that he, he's used that for his glory. When and how did you begin sharing your faith? I mean, with you growing up in a Christian home, it's possible that you began sharing your faith before you were even saved. When did you and, and how did you begin sharing your faith? Man, I grew up and my dad, my dad growing up would just, we would always go soul winning. So I grew up with a dad that was always going out talking to people about Jesus. And that's just what we did. I mean, back then you went door to door, man. You went neighborhood to neighborhood, door to door, inviting people to church and, you know, asking them uh, the truth about where they're going when they die. So it was kind of inbred in me at a very early age that, look, hey, talk to people about their faith. Talk about where they're at spiritually. Uh, it's okay to have those kinds of discussions. Uh, and then as I grew up, you know, here I was a leader in my youth group, uh, went on mission trips to, you know, to, to uh, Nova Scotia, to Mexico, to different places. And, and all the while, I, I didn't even know I wasn't a Christian. Uh, so yeah, I, I shared my faith um, um, in high school, in uh, you know throughout middle school. I went to a Christian school, but uh, tried to be an example, and uh, I got to share my faith all the way through. And especially after coming to Christ at 21 years old, that's when I went, "Wow, uh, we need to pick up the pace because there's not. I don't. I don't. I, if I got 80 years left, that's not enough. You know, we better pour it in and get busy." Amen. So um, it really motivated me to to use my time and, and try to try to preach the gospel. A lot of what I do, and I almost get frustrated sometimes because in, in the field that I'm in right now, in apologetics, um, I'm teaching people how to give an answer, how to, how to defend their faith in God. Um, and in some sense, I go, is it even necessary? Do, do I really need to defend my faith in God? I mean, or to teach people how to defend their faith in God. If I told people, hey, I'm going to teach you how to defend your faith in your mom and dad. You'd go, that's nuts. Of course they've got a mom and dad. They're, they're here. They've got a mom and dad. In the same way, it's kind of like that when it comes to defending our faith against God. Nevertheless, there's the, the world has duped us and deceived us into thinking in ways, into thinking things that aren't true. And so it's necessary to teach people the right way of thinking about different things. So I know it's necessary, but a lot of times what I end up finding is that we do a lot of hurdle clearing. We are clearing hurdles out of people's way that lead them 
uh, down the path to the gospel. And these are things that were in their way before coming to the gospel. And uh, at the end of the day, though, I know by faith, man, they can overcome all those hurdles and just trust in Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate goal. Uh, but a lot of times God uses us taking or he uses what we do to take hurdles out of people's way and then they come to the gospel. And those are the kind of testimonies that we get all the time that I absolutely love. Now, so I think I do a lot more seed planting and hurdle clearing than, uh, you know, asking somebody to pray and getting to sit there and listen to them pray. But man, when that does happen, uh, it's, it's, it's just as, it's a thrill every single time. Are you one who advocates the sinner's prayer, or are you someone who shies away from that? Um, I guess that's a that's a that's kind of a tricky one to answer because um, do I lead people in a prayer? No, I don't say, "Hey, say this." Okay, now say this. Okay, now say this. Okay, now say this. Hey, you're in. You're saved, buddy. You got it. So I don't find myself doing that. Uh, it's it's kind of like if. If I'm sorry to my wife for something, I can get advice from other places on what to say, but at the end of the day, it needs to be me pouring out my heart to my wife. And in the same way, I want people to pour their heart to God, out to God. So I usually ask them to pray to God. And you know what? When you do that and you don't lead them in a prayer, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will hear some of the most genuine, sweet, um, uh, open honest prayers that you've ever heard in your life. So many times as Christians, we get kind of, um, what's the word, uh, calloused in the way that we pray. We get, just get kind of, we get in this routine of these catchphrases and these things we say. And man, to hear somebody that doesn't pray and say, hey, pour your heart out to God. And to hear them just genuinely pour out their heart and ask for forgiveness and say, God, I'm sorry. I want you. I want you. I need you. Please be the leader. Be my forgiver. You know, literally be my savior is what they're asking. Uh, and so it's, it's amazing when we stop, step back and hear them pray a prayer of just genuineness to God. So typically I don't find myself, I have heard people do it in a way that I think is, is, is okay and is biblical. I've heard people do it in a way that I go, oh man, that, Ah, you just created maybe a false convert. Don't do that. So I've heard both ways. I find myself going, let me let me leave that on their heart and with God. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll be in the quietness of their room tonight. Um, I love it when they pray right there in front of me. It's because I just get to hear them pour out their heart. But, um, you know, I, that's kind of, I guess, my take on it. Amen. In spite of running a major international ministry, you know, do you still take time to regularly go out and witness to others? Yeah, it's easy to go, hey, I've done enough. I've done my job. But at the end of the day, despite being involved in a Christian ministry, that's never enough. Um, I was out the other day with my daughter, and uh, we did a little daddy-daughter date. And I said, listen, everywhere we go, let's pass out tracks. That's just kind of what we do. It's fun. And uh, so, man, I got we got to witness to, I think, five different people that night uh, and have some pretty good conversations. And if you don't do that, i got to just tell you, you're missing out on a joy that I cannot explain. Is it nervous? I'm still nervous when I go talk to people. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, uh, is it the sweaty palms and the what in the world am I going to say? And what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Yeah, it is every single time. But when you're done, you're like on cloud 10 going, God, thank you for that opportunity. Wow, God, look what we just did. So... 
man, if you're not out there doing that, I would encourage you, highly encourage you, get out there, get busy, do something that's going to matter. Uh, and witnessing to people is a great way to do that. Do you have any memorable moments that you've had uh, while sharing the gospel? Anything that you want to share with us? Um, I guess the ones that stick out the most are the ones where either they are just, you watch the Holy Spirit birth a new creation in somebody right there in front of your eyes. You know, and I'm thinking of uh, some people I was speaking at a, at a church in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, afterwards, I had some uh, two individuals come up to me and to listen to their hearts and to see, you know, what um, I remember Ray Comfort saying one time, you know, we're, we're looking for tear-filled converts, not fear-filled converts. And there's a huge difference when you see your brokenness before God and you just literally cry out with your heart to God. And every time I see that, my most recent one uh, that, that happened uh, where it was just literally a breakdown like that. Um, then again, I saw it this last weekend in, in, uh, in Florida, but just a, a real, real, I mean, breakdown of God obviously doing a work uh, over in Jacksonville. That was incredible. And then the other ones that bring great, right, I, I say, are, burn a memory inside of me are the ones where you're just rejected so vehemently uh, and you wonder, wow, was that not, you know, Satan speaking through that person? Because, boy, were they belligerent, were they vocal, and were they vulgar and and boy was that just nastiness coming out of them and so um you know when i was on the atheist monument a couple months ago that was it took all of about 15 seconds for those atheists to get absolutely belligerent and i mean they were shouting where are the lions where's the romans when you need them in other words let's kill this guy for being a christian now i wasn't concerned about you know the my my personal safety as far as I didn't feel like something like that would happen, but when they're yelling those things, that leaves an impression in your mind, let me tell you. Yeah, I bet. What would you say to me? You've got 60 seconds. If you go over, that's fine. But what do you say to someone when you're witnessing to them? Uh, it'd be uh, pretty simple, uh, just like Ray Comfort does a lot. Is I think he's he's used the law very, very well in bringing about the gospel. So, Hey Ryan, how you doing today? Let me ask you something. Would you would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Okay, can I ask you some questions to see if that's true? Sure. Okay. Uh, how many lies have you told in your whole life? Oh, uh, countless. <laughs> yeah, me too. What do you call somebody that uh, that tells lies? Uh, human. Yeah, but more specifically, what would you call somebody when they tell lies? It starts with an L and ends with I. I'll just give you a hint. Uh, liar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you and I have both lied. Okay, let me ask you this: Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Um, Even if it's small, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the size or the value. The question is: Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? I, I'm. It could I may even have be taken it, one it, thing or twice. Yeah, once or twice. You truly are a liar. Uh, let me ask you this: Have you ever uh, used God's name in vain, taken the name of the God that gave you life and brought it down to use as a cuss word? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, the Bible calls that blasphemy. Have you ever disobeyed your parents, Ryan? Uh, Come yeah. on now. You're truly a liar if you've never disobeyed your parents. Now, by your own admission, Ryan, you are a liar as I am. You're a thief. You're a blasphemer. You're a disobedient child. You know, the Bible actually tells us, gives us God's law, and it says, God will not hold them guiltless that take his name in vain, that blaspheme his name. And all liars, all thieves will have their part in the lake of fire. 
Ryan, um, when you stand before God on Judgment Day, are you going to be innocent or guilty of breaking God's laws? Uh, guilty, I guess. Yeah, you'd be guilty. What do you think we deserve because of our guilt? What rings true with our conscience? The word conscience means with knowledge. Our conscience bears witness to what we deserve. Because of our guilt before God, what do we deserve? Do we deserve heaven or do we deserve hell? I guess we deserve hell, but you know, God's a loving God, right? Absolutely, he's loving, and that's why he did something amazing for us. But a lot of times, people look at God's love and say, well, because God is love, he will unconditionally forgive me. And that's like going in a courtroom and saying, because a judge is good, and because a judge is loving, he won't punish a crime. That won't do in a courtroom, and it's not going to do on Judgment Day. So, Ryan, when you stand before God, you will be held guilty. And therefore, you deserve judgment. Now, the good news is, if that concerns you, that God is a good God. He really does love. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, because he loved us so much. Sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for sin. And Ryan, if you and I are willing, he will pay that penalty for us. He's already done that for me. At 21 years old, I repented of sin. The word repent literally means to to be transformed, a metamorphosis. We're going to turn from sin and turn to Christ. I repented of sin and trusted in Christ as my Savior. And Ryan, anybody who's willing to do that, willing to see themselves and go, okay, you're right, I messed up, I blew it, I didn't make it, I'm not good enough. That's what the Bible says. There's none righteous, no, not one. Your good works aren't good enough to get you into heaven. So you need to trust in the works of somebody else. And you can't trust in my works, but you could trust in the works of Jesus Christ. And if you want to, he's willing and he's able. And I'd encourage you to, to, uh, to repent of sin and to trust in Christ as your Savior. Would you like to do that, Ryan? Or what's keeping you from doing that? I don't know. A lot of people around, stuff like that. Well, let me encourage you to do something. Let me encourage you to think about this. Do you have a Bible, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I want you to read that. I want you to obey what it says. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to find this rings true from Scripture, and it rings true with your heart. We're not good. We are not um, gonna gonna meet the standard of God's goodness for sure. And that's going to cause a real problem on Judgment Day for us unless we get a substitute to take our place. And Jesus Christ is willing and he's able. But he's leaving that up to you to say, okay, hey, when are you going to repent and trust in Christ? When, when are you going to do that? So I pray that God would literally open your heart to that and that that'd be something that you do. And if you don't want to do that right now, I, I, I hope that you really think about that today. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, my pleasure, Ryan. Great talking with you. All right, so... I went over my time. Sorry, man. <laughs> That's all right. But you were very patient. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Once again, talking with Eric Hoven, founder, CEO of Creation Today, and the executive producer of Genesis in 3D. Thank you again, Eric, so much, and God bless you guys, and just keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Ryan. Really appreciate it. And you keep doing what you're doing. At the end of the day, what is it, Luke 17:10? Uh, we are all unworthy servants. So at the end of the day today, all your listeners, you and me, all of us together, will have to say, God, we're unworthy. We've only done that which you've called us to do. So may we keep that in mind. Praise God. And again, where can they go for more information about your ministry and the film? 
Yeah, if you want more information on our ministry, it's creationtoday.org, creationtoday.org. And there you'll find, uh, you know, lots of videos, lots of uh, blogs and articles. Uh, also, the Genesis movie is just simply genesismovie.com. So creationtoday.org or genesismovie.com.